Her name was Mary Jane. She sang like Anna Jane. She came and went so easily. And it's strange how times have changed. I seen Mary yesterday, and she don't look the same to me. Baby, what's the word? I ain't trying to kill you, Mockingbird. Episode 86 for November 2009. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They offer discounts so low it'll make it easy to switch to them for your weekly comic fix. Their discounts range from 38 up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trade paperbacks. The Spider Spotlight book this month is Amazing Spider-Man number 618. The cover price is $2.99, and Mail Order has it for $1.49, which is 50% off. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com, and tell them the Crawl Space sent you. Hey there, webheads. Welcome back to our online Marvel team-up. Let me introduce the panel this month. We have our glider-riding goblin expert, JR from SpideyKicksButt.com. Welcome, JR. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, folks, I do want to say that uh, if you've been following the news on the north on the Northeast, you realize that today uh, the Boston mayor has proclaimed November 14th as Leonard Nimoy Day. Hey. And I expect all Star Trek fans to observe this day with the proper reverence <laughs> and logic and devotion to order. And that means no pawn far, all right? <laughs> all right. Just so we're clear. Wow, no pawn far. Damn it. And we have our writer extraordinaire, Kevin Cushing, who's the writer of the Spider-Man Crawl Space webcomic and administrator on the message board. Welcome, Kev. Thank you very much. And for anybody that doesn't know yet, Crawl Space number seven is finally up. It only took four months. Awesome. So you can check that <laughs> And our literature reading PS3 game, Uncharted 2 Beater, Stella. Welcome, Stella. <laughs> Thank you, and I'm happy to announce exactly one week until my birthday, oh, so I'm excited. What, what number? 23. 23. I feel old. Awesome. Yeah. You feel, feel old? I do. Wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> She's not. Uh, but uh, And we have the world's biggest clone fan and webmaster of the now up, SpideyDude.com. Welcome, Zach. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be How's here. How's it feel to have it up? <laughs> <laughs> A very I'm, rare experience, I'm, he can probably assure you, but nonetheless... <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of context, that's really, really wrong. But uh, yeah, it feels good to have uh, have the website up, and, and uh, we'll have um, all the uh, the editions uh, of Clone Slayer Chronicles on there too. Pretty soon, I've got I've been fidgeting with it, so you know. I'll fix that. And our other panelist, Michael Bailey, has a date night with his wife, so we don't want to interrupt that. Jr. He might be having a little far. I don't know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, if he's married, he's not going to get within a hundred miles. <laughs> On far, but uh, hey, do we have his cell phone number? Can we like call him and harangue him oh, while he's on yeah. his date? No, I don't. I don't want to interrupt any fun faring. Uh, so, no. <laughs> okay, okay. For the non-truck fan, for the non-truck fan in the room, what is every, isn't it every seven years? Can't tell from the contact. It is. It is. It is Vulcan action. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, okay. Every okay. seven years, right. a Vulcan comes in heat. So there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> After that <laughs> intro, let's do, we've uh, got short reviews this month. We've got two issues of Amazing. I think they fell behind a little bit of <laughs> scheduling, but we're going to tackle. Oh, it's more clone stuff. We've got uh, Amazing number six hundred eight and six hundred nine. We're going to tackle. And the first one is written by Mr. Guggenheim, who is out of here in a few months. And the artwork is by Mr. Chester. Out of here, Mr. Mr. Chester Chicchetto. Chichetto, Chichetto I think it's how you and uh, not Alex Ross, Luke Ross. 
So, JR, what's your two cents on going back to the Clone Saga? Well, I don't know. I thought maybe uh, Spidey Dude would deserve the honor of talking about this one. Um, But uh, I guess I'll go ahead and start. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about these two issues because they weren't particularly bad, but they were also particularly ordinary. Frankly, and I'll be curious as to what Spidey Dude thinks, I don't think so far these stories have proven worthy of going back to a period of time and characters and situations that a lot of people have been clamoring for. Um, this just seems like, you know, compared with, with the weight that people have had, uh, this seems like a very underwhelming story. Um, 608, um, the, the, the one thing I did like about 608 was uh, uh, Spider-Man saying that one of the uses for the Internet was to download Norman Osborn. And, uh, folks, no matter how many times you ask, I am not going to do any impersonations or jingles related to Osborn. Um, but my big problem, my, my big problem with this story is that it just, because it, it pres- it's based on mistaken identity. And, I mean, as, as, again, Spidey did, will be able to tell us, I mean, everybody knew that Ben Riley was Peter Parker's quote unquote cousin. They made no secret about it. They appeared in public together. Uh, you know, that's all he would have had to tell. They, all they would have had to do to, to, you know, to Damon Ryder was to say, well, look, here's his old bit right in the bugle. He's dead. Uh, you know, I, I, so it just seems like the story is built upon false pretenses to begin with. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to give it a C, uh, and, um, and leave it at that. So let's hit up the clone expert. Zach, what do you think? Well, you know, I was reading, rereading these things, and Jared brings up an excellent point. And I think that's probably, we were, you know, I, I reviewed this for, for my podcast. It's, it's not up yet, but I reviewed it. And, I, and I, we were, me and uh, my co-host, Bertoni, were talking about it, and, and I felt like something was off. And I think JR hit, it, hit the nail on the head. You had, um, you had so many things that Peter could have pulled out of his hat to try to try to divert the attention from Damon, and he didn't even try. Um, it felt like that the Webheads and Guggenheim were just trying to throw us a bone, and I, I felt it was poorly constructed. Um, the artwork I liked. Uh, I really liked uh, uh, Luke Ross's artwork. I, did, I wasn't too keen on the uh, on Chichetto's artwork. I, I just I don't like his I don't wanna, I didn't like the way he did Spider Man's eyes, but in terms of the story, I mean, Ryder was never it is not really interesting to me. I don't I don't feel like he's he's a great uh, villain, and certainly um, the the present day scenes did nothing for me. I actually liked the uh, Ben scenes better than I did the uh, the uh, Peter scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, this Which issue. is nothing new for you. <laughs> oh yeah, but <laughs> so you got you got to say one pro though. What's what's a pro about it? You got your your favorite character back. Well, I got, the the best part of this issue was the, was the Ben Riley scenes, and I, and I think it was also highlighted by the fact that you had Luke Ross art drawing it. I mean, if you had told me that was Luke Ross and, and I didn't see the uh, see the artist credits, I wouldn't have, I would I would have never guessed that would have been his artwork because his artwork was a lot more cartoony mm-hmm. back on his run on Spectacular Splash. Yeah, I agree. What's your grade, sir? My grade is a C plus. Okay, uh, Stella, what do you think? 
Um, I thought it was a very scrambled issue. Um, there were just very rapid scene changes, you know, going from the past involving Riley and Ryder to the present with Screwball, then the frontline offices, then at one point Morocco, and on and on. And, you know, that's not to say that all comics don't have rapid scene changes, but I felt like there was no flow to this one. Another negative I had was, um, once again, the male-female dynamics are just terrible. No wife, however comfortable she is, is going to take a joke or is going to take a comment about her husband and co-eds as a joke. (laughs) And, of course, Michelle letting in a guy that looks like a total creeper. I just don't know about that. Where's her head at or where are the writer's heads at? Um, And dress dress like that. A little tank top Yeah, number. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I'll get to that in the next issue. <laughs> um, the one page where it showed a potential scenario, this is my positive, um, it showed a potential scenario with dealing with Ryder. I like that. It was kind of funny. It reminded me of uh, the similar flashes that happen in the TV show Six Feet Under, just like this possibility, and you think it's actually happening, but then you see the next page, and it actually didn't. So... I don't know. I was sort of bored with this issue, and I would give it a D plus. D plus. Kev, what do you think, sir? I, I thought it was a decently entertaining issue. I, uh, I loved Luke Ross flashback art. I'm a fan of Luke Ross. It's always nice to see him around. Um, I, I really enjoyed what Stella just said the the Peter daydreaming the exposition of Ben Riley and the Clone Sagas. They could have just done that all in boring thought bubbles of just him thinking about what happened during the Clone Saga, but they actually had him saying it. They had a really good image of the Scarlet Spider on that page. And then the next page you find out that was just in his head, and I thought that was amusing, and that was a good way to do it. Um, I didn't actually even notice this until I got the issue. I didn't notice it on the preview cover on the Internet, (laughs) um, that half of... The Spider-Man costume on the cover was Ben Riley's Spider-Man costume. Uh, I liked that cover because on the internet I just saw that it was two halves of Spider-Man, but when you actually got it, you can see the the spider going up his shoulders on one side. That it's Ben Riley's costume it was a cool cover, uh, and I thought they had a good cliffhanger there with uh, Kane showing up, even though it was spoiled a couple of months ago by that con preview. But that's not really the writer's fault. That was still good within the issue. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Screwball. Um, I feel like that character is really one note, and we've played that note two or three times before, so she didn't really add anything to this issue for me. Uh, The only other thing I didn't really like was uh, the coloring on a lot of the uh, modern scenes was really odd, Uh, especially that first scene with Screwball. There were a lot of weird yellows going on in that scene, and I'm just not sure why. Uh, It wasn't it was bad. It was just kind of weird. So overall, yeah, I thought it was a decently entertaining issue. I give it a B plus. Wow. I'm going to give it a B minus. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's funny. I have the exact same pro that uh, Kevin does about the the flashback. Peter goes, "quote A few years ago, some whacked out mad scientist made a clone of me. Two clones actually, but I don't think that's important. No, that's probably not going to fly." I love that line. I just thought that was really clever and and uh, well written from Guggenheim's part. That was probably the sharpest part of the issue. I, I, I totally forgot about that scene. I don't have the issues in yeah. front of me, but uh, I forgot to put that in my notes. The uh, the the artwork. I thought. I, I've never heard of this uh, Chichetta, I guess is Chichetto. Chichetto. I, I like his artwork. It's a little bit different. I, I, I'm unlike Zach. I like the eyes, kind of pointy and small. I don't like the big McFarlane-looking eyes. I think that just looks unrealistic. But I like the artwork. I, I think it's cool. I think he should be on regular rotation for the book. Uh, two things that were kind of negative. Uh, if you go to the page towards the end where Spider-Man goes to Raptor's uh, garage or secret headquarters, 
And you see Spider-Man sitting on top of a little chair. <laughs> I don't know why this bugged me, but there's no way a 180-pound man can sit on the back end of a chair <laughs> like that. I don't know if you guys can see it. It was bolted to the floor. I guess it's bolted to the floor. There's no way it, that guy said I don't know why that took me out of it. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? He can't do that. But he's he sticks to walls, so it's all fair. Wait, wait, but but he can, I mean, to be fair, yeah. uh, he can actually transfer his weight away from the chair, probably. That was actually talked about in the, uh, I believe, the um, 30th anniversary issue of there's, Peter Parker. Dude, there's no way. An 180-pound dude sitting on the back end of a chair. It's a very, very saying, minor it, it, pick that I'm... Well, well I, mean, I mean, I'm just saying, it's, it's a... It's and a, a, and know, another it's, pro for me is on the very next page, Spider-Man spoils a snatch. I mean, that is about the hilarious... <laughs> I forgot. Spider-Man does what? Spoils a snatch. That's what I thought you said. <laughs> For the uh, the Hostess cupcake ad, uh, originally printed in 1978. Oh, yeah. My goodness, that's hilarious. <laughs> I guess uh, Snatch has taken on a different meaning in 20, 30 years, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed the issue. It's, it's, it's B, it's nothing outstanding. It's not the um, Flash Thompson quality that uh, Mr. Guggenheim had, but uh, he, him and uh, Slot, uh, etc., are at the top of my list of enjoying their stories, so be minus out of me. Uh, let's see, we've got uh, the stories continuing in issue 609. Again, Guggenheim, Chichetto, and Ross are coming back. Uh, let's go with Kevin first, since we went with him last. Um, I, I, I enjoyed this issue, too, about the same level as the last one, really. Um, I liked uh, kind of the continuity referencing with Kane burning off Spider-Man's webs from his face. That was that was a good little bit. I think most of the whole fight was pretty good. Um, I enjoyed Kane's motivations. I was glad they didn't just kind of have, uh, oh, I'm returning now. He actually thinks that Ryder can help him with his condition, which uh, the J.M. DeMathis Web of Spider-Man story helps set that up, so that was really good. Um, I thought these were the best Michelle scenes we've gotten. I, I actually... You know, if you can go with the relationship they had, I actually liked the interplay between Peter and Michelle in this issue. Um, with, you know, again, if you can go with the relationship they've had that she really kind of hates him, it was, it seemed like more realistic character interplay in this issue than I'm used to between those two, and I thought she was used better than she usually is. Yeah. Uh, so that was a definite plus, and I thought they had a great cliffhanger. Uh, it was kind of a classic cliffhanger, and you know that. Uh, you know, I haven't read 610 yet, but you know that he's going to avoid revealing his identity to everybody. But still, it was kind of a great classic cliffhanger there where, you know, this guy's got a gun to everybody and I've got to reveal my identity to save them. That was just, that was cool and it felt really classic to me. Um, stuff I didn't really like, uh, again, Screwball. Uh, I, I could do without Screwball altogether. Um, in the flashbacks, I felt like they should have shown Ryder uh, becoming a little bit more desperate about the situation with the funding and everything before we saw him take the step to inject himself, uh, just to set that up as more realistic, because that's a huge, drastic thing to do, and we didn't really see that develop in his character before we got there. Um, and the only other thing is, and, and I'm I'm kind of okay with this, but you know, once you see Kane at the end there and it becomes apparent that he's probably the one that actually killed Ryder's family or you know, through an accident or something, then we have Ryder coming and mistaking Peter Parker for Ben Riley, I read that story in the 90s when Kane killed somebody and the survivor comes to New York and mistakes Peter Parker for Ben Riley for murder. You know, we did that, that already. That was called um, Lost Years. 
Well, it was it was played out through several months. I mean, that was what the whole trial of Peter Parker Peter was Parker. about. Yeah. Um, but again, it's a, if it's gonna be sort of a rehash, it's still a decently entertaining story. So it's not a huge gripe. I mean, we've seen a lot of things before in comics, but it was it, it did stick out to me when we saw Kane there at the house at the end. So um, again, I'm gonna go with the same one. My final grade was B plus. It was a fairly entertaining issue. Okay. Jr. What's your two cents? Um, I have to, well, first of all, I guess I looked at the cover and I was wondering, why in the heck does Spider-Man's head look like one of those Marvel beans that you used to be able to buy at Walmart or something? I mean, it just really looks like an oddly proportioned head, but be that as it may, I, I do have to ask a question of the, the Spidey experts here, particularly the clone experts now. I, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but uh, what exactly is Kane's beef with Peter Parker these days? I mean... I know that he wanted to kill Ben Riley when he thought Ben Riley was the real Peter Parker because of the whole clone brother thing. I mean, is that even still of a valid motivation anymore? I mean, Kane hasn't been seen in years. Yeah. So I had the same what, problem. I mean, and he and, and he is Peter Parker down deep. I mean, so what what is Kane's what is Kane's motivation um, for? I guess trying to kill Spider Man. Uh, if I can just give a theory. Um... I would say he probably just resents Peter for being the real one, because when he was trying to kill Ben back in the day, he thought Ben was the real one. So now that Peter's the real one, it would make some sense that he resents Peter, although if that's the case, they should have, you know, told us. Yeah, and, yeah. and also the whole thing of, uh, you know, when spe- and this is where me being an old Spider fan probably does serve against the dramatic detriments of a story. You know, when Peter, you know, Spider-Man sums up, you know, the case as well. Once upon a time, this mad scientist cloned a boy. Uh, the first clone didn't turn out too good, and here you have the story. Yeah. You know, and you're thinking, and it's like, God, what a gross oversimplification of a, of a very deeply emotional story that involved, I mean, that involved Gwen Stacy of all people. Because I, I had to ask uh, Zach the exact same thing. I don't remember why he's so pissed. Zach, what, why is he pissed? Uh, honestly, I, I've been trying to figure this out for a couple, <laughs> See, he doesn't for a couple even of weeks. <laughs> Because, because okay, last time we saw Kane, Kane um, fought Ben Riley in the miniseries Spider-Man Redemption. Before that, we didn't. Peter didn't fight Kane, and uh, um, except in Maximum Cloners, that was the last time those two fought. Mm-hmm. And um, if I could venture another theory, is that he's still pissed at Peter over the Maximum Cloners thing. I mean, that would make more sense because they haven't seen each other. Mm-hmm. Because when I mean. It, it, Redemption is kind of in a murky area of continuity. You don't know exactly where it fits. Um, one could assume that it fits like that long after um, uh, Sensational Number Six, after Jessica uh, Carradine left the series. But um, other than that, I, I, I mean, I've heard different theories. I mean, the most popular theory being what Kevin was talking about. Uh, I just, to me, it, it seems like he. It would be it would make more sense to me if he was playing a little bit of mind games with Peter, mm. if he was just using this to um, and 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 it really kind of goes gets thrown off the rails next issue. Do you think um, Guggenheim did that much research and he's found an area where Kane is just ticked at Peter? Wow. I mean, or do you just say I'm bringing Kane back? He's going to be pissed. Um, honestly, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, according to Steve Lacker on our very own message board, he said that, that the, and I think Dan Slott said this too, Guggenheim's a big 90s fan. Okay. 
So um, I'm, I'm assuming that he's taking from the rift that that uh, he resents Peter for being the original. But the fa- the problem is, is when does he find out Peter is the original? If they haven't interacted since uh, since Max McClone. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the point I was trying to make earlier too, along with all that, is because the Clone Saga, with its roots so deep in some of the even the earliest years of Spider-Man, with you know with Gwen's involvement, with Miles Warren's involvement, I mean it's it's a very deeply it's not quite up to the level of you know Norman Osborn type territory, but it's a very deeply emotional issue or should be with Spider-Man. And, I mean, he just kind of brushes off the whole origin and stuff, and, you know, he sees Kane, and, I mean, that just ought to be, in addition to, like, bringing about a physical altercation, that should just bring back a whole lot of emotional, you know, trauma to him. And I, and I, I realize if you're doing a three-part story where you have to have a hero, a villain, a setup, and a resolution, that would probably just stop the story dead in its tracks. But... Again, you know, I mean, we talk about the bringing, you know, we're talking about the clone saga here. This is not just a, uh, this is not just a throwaway three-parter, uh, you know, until we get to some other big event like the gauntlet. So, anyway. yeah, and, and it felt like this was kind of sandwiched in last minute. Um, yeah, we had references to to the to uh, the uh, uh, Riley cousins, but that was. Only reference to Kugan's previous work. This this kind of felt like it was just kind of sandwiched in, and it didn't didn't feel really organic to me. Whereas the other issues, it felt really like they've been spinning off each other. Um, my biggest, I mean, the the whole the, my biggest gripe has been about Kane, and um, uh, you know, we were talking uh, talking about the uh, what I call the acid dream that uh, was. The, the uh, Web of Spider-Man number one story, <laughs> where Kane's kind of revisiting his own past and stuff like that, and he's, you know, I kind of compared it to being on an acid trip. Um, you know, it kind of makes some sort of sense that he that he's seeking out Ryder, um, but other than that, I uh, I don't I don't really uh, this story kind of felt I give it a C because because it kind of felt like the middle and and, and I really was kind of frustrated we getting we're getting these three issues these issues out three three times a month and and I would have hoped that this story would have been started and done with in the same month but they I guess they had issues and what or whatever um, because it's I mean because I've read six ten and I I've, I've reviewed six ten so I, I know what happens after with the cliffhanger and everything like that. So it's kind of hard for me to review the middle of the story, <laughs> go back and try to review the middle of the story. But I'm going to give this. I'm going to just give a C because. Um, Have we heard Jr.'s grade? Yeah, it was a C. Oh, C. Okay. So Kevin, what was yours again? B plus. Okay. Stella, what's your what's your grade? What do you get? Two cents on it. <clears throat> um. Well, you know, let's talk about Michelle. Though. All right. I just don't know when the character all of a sudden became this oversexed female um, with a belly button ring like this. And it's such a disconnect between, um, I don't know, how she's portrayed and how um, we think she should be portrayed because uh, she's trying to be a criminal. Well, she is a criminal defense attorney. And I feel like there shouldn't be such a shift in identities. Um, so I'm sort of quickly losing all respect for her character, which is sad because she had a lot of potential in the very beginning. Uh, I do have, I don't know, um, I don't know that much about Kane and his history, but I just feel like um, they, the writers felt like they had to throw him in here because it was a clone story. So there's a clone and Kane needs to be there. Um, I don't really buy his story as much as Kevin does. Um, but... 
my positive is um, that I thought that there was much more of a cohesion uh, between the sheet scene shifts than there was last time, so I thought they did better. And I agree with Kevin about the cliffhanger. It was a classic cliffhanger, and they did well. Um, I'd give it a C. It's a little better than the last issue, but still not up to snuff. Yeah. Uh, I'd give it a B minus also. I thought it was about the same quality as, uh, the previous issue. Uh, I'm with Kevin. Screwball or Cornball or Screwball.com or whatever her name is. Uh, just seems like a throwaway villain. I don't think anybody, at, at least with us five, don't care about the character. And I wonder if the writer does. So, however, I did laugh a little bit with, uh, Screwball asking for Spider-Man's email address and he goes, give me a break at biteme.com. I thought that was pretty cute. Uh, Michelle. Yeah, Brad, oh, go ahead, Jerry. No, I, I. Well, go ahead. I don't want you to. to I thought you were done with your. Oh review. no, go ahead. Uh, what? Well, well, you can top in real quick. What's up? I, I was just going to lecture Stella. Uh, oh, oh, good. I, I'll, I, I'll pause I, for that. Let's hear it. Oh, great. I, I, just I just cannot believe that she has been reading Spider-Man these last two or three years. She just doesn't understand what is going on. Stella, Spider-Man is supposed to be about adolescent male fantasy, <laughs> and therefore. Therefore, the women in Spider-Man, like the Marvel Comics, can only fall into two categories, the sympathetic mother figure or the castrating bitch. (laughs) Those are the only only two types of women permissible, and, you know, I I don't know why you continue to read it. Just, I go away, you bugger. Wow, I am sorry. I'm not going to lie, that was the most gratuitous TNA scenes that I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, not that I've ever seen, but I've seen it a long time in a Spider-Man comic. They really sexed her up in this. I mean, she's wearing a thong under these shorts or something. It's like, oh yeah. my god, look at her thong! Did you see <laughs> this? <laughs> Check this out! <I> mean, <laughs> anyway, they yeah. really just sexed her up, and and the Rileys uh, were obviously their JR to be taken hostage. That's the only reason they were put in the book. Right? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, that's another function of the females in comics, right? To merely serve <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I begin to sound like Gloria Steinem for Christ's well, sake. Somebody you need to sound me. like Gloria Grant. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other thing is, I, I'll, I'll go to the Spider uh, Clone expert. What happened to Kane's purple and spiky looking suit? Because this suit uh, that was in that Spider- was one of my biggest bitch fest that I had. I was like, "Where's his scars? Where's his suit?" Okay, yeah, the lack of scars bothered me too. Um, oh, and it gets uh, trust me, it gets worse next issue. Um, because this is straight out of Spider Girl, isn't it? The, the Kane that we yeah, see this. Yeah, Kane didn't start, and even even in Spider Girl, he has, still has the scars, yeah. the scarring on his face and on his hands. Well, and going, even the Web Number One story, which seems to take place shortly before this, he was looking really bad. Yeah, which which uh, we were at, everybody's like, where when does that take place? That's I, I I venture to guess that it takes place not long after Redemption. Basically, it's in between Redemption and now. Right? Because there was only two one-panel appearances after Redemption that Kane made. Uh, one that's really important in the Spider-Girl universe, and the other that was just kind of a throwaway that set up that, that, that other appearance. So, well, see, I assume this is, I assume it was right before this story. Well, not necessarily right before, but very shortly before, because it seemed to be there to give him this new motivation, uh, you know, this renewed uh, sense of purpose to go out and, and do something, which I would assume is why he's showing up now. At least that's what it looked like to me. It looked like it was there for setup of this. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, it was kind of. I, I know that's how it was written, but I mean, in continuity, kind of didn't make any sense. 
Well, I mean, there's been so little real Kane continuity over the past ten years, it's hard to say. Exactly. I mean, literally, I mean, after Redemption, there was, okay, after Maximum Clonage, there was his Return of Kane story, which really was kind of a throwaway story, and then Redemption, and that's it. After that, there was pretty much, uh, except for those two one-panel appearances, that was it. (laughs) So, um I, I, you know, you can kind of, I guess you could kind of play with it and kind of fudge with the continuity a little bit because there has been so few. Right. So. All right, we're moving on to another topic. It looks like, uh, every comic book fan's dream has been, has happened in St. Louis. It looks like, um, uh, several hundred comics were found in this basement in St. Louis. It was a abandoned basement in St. Charles, Missouri. And, uh, they found all these rare comics. They found an amazing Spider-Man, amazing fantasy number 15. And they had it CGC graded. It came out at an 8.0. Uh, and, and the, the book is worth more than the abandoned house was. So, <laughs> have you, what, yeah. what did you guys think of this? JR, is this like your dream come true to find a, a whole basement filled with comics? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> no. Okay. My, my, my dream come true is to hi- find a whole basement full of unmarked bills <laughs> and uh, and pay pay off all of my debts, send my kids to school, and then decide whether. Uh, well, I'm I'm uh, I'm digressing. I better watch it. Um, the question I think is, would I pay seventy five thousand dollars for a comic yeah. book? And I honestly, I would have to say, even if I won the lottery and had the money, I would have to say no. Right. Because I've been married for too long, and if I spent $75,000 on a comic book, <laughs> I can only imagine what the hell she would want to buy, and I don't think that I could live with that. So, no, I will be happy with my reprints, with my essentials, and everything else, and let somebody else spend the $75,000. What's your rarest one? What do you got? What's, what's the rarest book you own that's worth the most? Probably Gold Key Star Trek number one. How much is that one worth? I don't know. With the comics market fluctuating like no. it has, it was up to several years ago. It was up to like four hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, Do you have any rare spideys? Uh, the the only the closest thing to a rare one I have is Amazing Number Thirty Nine, mm-hmm. the the Norman reveal, oh, nice. uh, and, and that's that's hardly in mint condition. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, that's the one that when I bought it twenty something years ago, I hid it from my father because I didn't want him to know that I had spent four dollars and fifty cents for a comic. <laughs> Stella, if money is no object, would you buy it? Or if money is an object, I don't know. Seventy-five grand. Um, well, if it is an object, um, <laughs> then no. Even if I, I think the only way would be if I had like enough bills to honestly use this toilet paper, would I buy that? Um, I don't know. It's just I, I very much enjoy comics, and um, that'd be awesome to have. But I think priorities when you buy that. Uh, I think your priorities might not be completely straight. So I've got other things that I'd like to get first. Kev, you blowing seventy five grand? Not a freaking chance. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't care how much money I have. There is always something better to spend seventy five thousand dollars on than one comic book. Like I mean, I've read that smokes. comic book for God's sake. Do you have any idea how many comic books I haven't read I could buy for seventy five thousand dollars? Jesus Christ. <laughs> That could get that well, could be at least two weeks worth of smokes, right, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. The the, uh, the thing is, the only reason it's even worth seventy five thousand dollars is because it's slabbed. It's because it's, it's CGC graded. That's the only reason. Mm. 
It's even no, because when you think about it, if you go to a comic shop, they're not going to spend seventy-five thousand dollars for Amazing Fantasy number number fifteen. Yeah. I don't care how good a condition it's in. The only reason it is even that, that much money is because it's slab because they that inflates the market. Anytime you do have, anytime you slab anything, it <laughs> it, it, it dramatically increases the the amount of, of how much it's worth because it's that's, that's another topic I really don't understand. Slabbing comic books, you seal them up and then you can't read them. What what's yeah. the, what's like buying a house and not and locking the doors. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, okay, I understand. I mean, if, if if there was two copies of Amazing Fantasy 15, I could understand. You got your you got your mint almost. I mean, that's 8.0 is a really high grade right, for, for that old book. Yeah, for, for that old of, of a book. So, I mean, he probably vacuum sealed it before he had it. You know, he bought that infomercial thing where you can get your luggage in in three suitcases into one. Dude. Dude, don't, those you I, got one of those? Trust, you got a, su- a sucking machine? Actually, never mind. You mean the space bags? <laughs> yes, I do. I apologize. That, that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well said, wow, Brad. Well put said. that on a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> would you? Buy, I guess that's what she said. <laughs> oh. So seventy-five grand. What, Zach? Would you buy it? I would. Yeah. If, I, if money was no object, I would just just to say I have it. Yeah, I I, I come on I'll the be, same be, fence. If money was no object, yes, I would buy it too because I would love a complete run of Amazing. But uh, well, hell, you almost got it. I almost run, do. I, I'm missing like 20 issues or so, but um, only 20. Issues. <laughs> but I still have a mortgage, car payments, you know, all that stuff. So. <laughs> But you can buy like seventy-five hookers for that amount of money. That's <laughs> hey, do you have a sucking machine? Uh, and- <laughs> wow, I don't even know where this went. Uh, or you can probably buy a bunch of those. Yeah, you probably could. <laughs> I stay up way too late watching infomercials. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got uh, moving on to another topic. We've got uh, movie news. We got a little bit of movie gossip going around the interwebs. It looks like uh, they're putting out a casting or casting call for the Black Cat in the in the new Spider-Man Four movie. They've also cast what was his name? Dylan Baker is that his name that plays the Lizard or Doc Connor? I'm sorry, yeah. he's not the Lizard. Yeah. yeah. And Raimi has been quoted in a few uh, interviews that he's wa- wanting to go back to basics and he didn't have complete control over Spider-Man Three. He thought the uh, the budget. Really? Was out of hand, and he had too many villains, etc. So, let's see. Stella, what do you think of Rachel McAdams as Black Cat? Looks like she's... I'm actually really excited about this. Um, You know, first of all, she is, I am not ashamed to say, she is a very attractive actress. Um, And, you know, I was seeing her um, next to uh, a poster for Black Cat, and I think it's, like, right on. Like, I think she'll be able to do it. And she also has the skills, which I think is important. Um, so yeah, I think I think this is completely doable. Um, I was a little troubled by the idea that Black Cat is being portrayed as a villainess, and she does walk a tight line. But if they push her too far over, I don't think I will agree with that. Yeah, she's she's all about fl- flirtation. I think that'd be perfect. Uh, a dramatic tension, uh, love tension, or whatever between Mary Jane and Black Cat. It has worked in the books. Too, but we don't want to see them in bed together like the recent issues. Though I, I don't think I think I think parents would would scoff at that. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I mean, you can't do what they just did in the books in a movie. I don't think. Could you? no, no, yeah, no. no. You cannot have them become sex buddies. In the no, movies. they can't. 
They can't. What about? I mean, they did do that thing with Daredevil and Elektra. Yeah, but Daredevil's a much different tone of movie than Spider Man is. Much different. I mean, Daredevil just watched a guy die at the beginning of that movie and was pretty much cool with it. I mean, you can't do that with Spider Man. Yeah. yeah. Daredevil's a lot. Different. I envision another upside down kiss, though. <laughs> Kev, what do you think? That's a good Rich point. Rick? Although, it would be funny if the black cat was upside down. This oh, time. that'd be good. Ooh, nice, Kevin. Ste- Stella, are you a fan of The Notebook, by the way? Every woman I know loves that movie. I- I am. Each time I watch it and the the two older people die, spoiler, I I tear up. (laughs) I do too, too, honestly. Not many movies make me cry, but that one, I teared up a little bit. Every woman and emo kid I know loves that movie. You think I'm a woman and an emo kid? (laughs) (laughs) Kev, Rich McAdams, thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, She wouldn't really be my first choice, but I think she'd do a good job. I'm just not, not... at all convinced of it yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, before Spider-Man 3, we had Chloe Sevigny in the uh, um, in the news saying that she had auditioned for Black Cat, and, you know, Black Cat was nowhere to be seen in that movie. So, yeah. uh, Zach, thumbs up? They've only, brought, they've only brought this rumor out every single movie since Spider-Man 2. <laughs> I remember Spider-Man 1, there was a casting call for a, a cat burglar. And she yeah. was in that montage where he was arresting people. She was up in a web, and there was casting rumors that, oh, the person webbed up is Felicia Hardy. So, oh. yeah, kind of like kind of like the reference to Eddie Brock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Rachel McAdams, anyway, you like her? I, I like her. I mean, she's she's certainly attractive, um, but I don't I don't know. Depends on how well she fills out the costume. I know it's terrible to say. <laughs> Yeah. I know I'm getting e-slapped by Stella right now, well, but... You know, you know, in all honesty, she's not the bustiest woman, and Black Cat seems to be incredibly, as Stella liked to say, a well, lot of girls up there or something. What what, <laughs> what did she say? <laughs> yeah, like, full twins, I full don't know. Twin. But I don't really need to see that spilling out of her costume, though. That's not the reason I would come well, home. Well, I prefer a better actress as opposed to a full cup. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like people were complaining about... Uh, Kingpin being black, but Michael Clark Duncan did a great job doing the character. I agree. If we can get yeah. somebody that does the character, uh, you know, she can be flat-chested for all I can. They can do wonders with Wonder Bros, too. <laughs> I, I was being kind of sarcastic, too. <laughs> but uh, I think she, uh, she's a, she is a good actress. Yeah. Uh, I, I do, I do, if, if, if they go through with this, yeah, I mean, hell, who knows? Yeah. Uh, does anybody kind of find it quite funny that that, that, that Tobey Maguire's new movie has yes. Jake Gyllenhaal in it? <laughs> because Jake, yeah, Jake I've been was saying for years that Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal could be cast as Ben Riley because they look so exactly. alike. But they're brothers <laughs> in this movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we haven't heard from Jr. Rachel McAdams. Um, unfortunately, um, being so old and cranky, I'm not I'm not into a lot of these young act- actresses either either literally or metaphorically. <laughs> uh, so. I really, I really cannot speak anything about Rachel McAdams' acting ability or, or appropriateness for the part. Um, to be honest, I'm a little disappointed to hear the black cat maybe in the film, only because we've already got, in, in my opinion, two underused, attractive females uh, in the Spider-Man films that are waiting to be used in a good, a good role. Uh, Elizabeth. Um, thanks. Oh God, what's thanks. thanks, thank yeah. you, as Betty Brant, and then. Um, um, Goddamn Opie's little girl as uh, Bryce Dallas Howard <laughs> as with Stacy. Uh, you know, yeah. I noticed I said only two attractive girls. Who had not, 
No, I don't either. And that, uh, that so I said two attractive women, and that does obviously not include Kirsten Dunst. Oh. I really wish it's not in this film. Oh. Um, so I, I would rather see them explore one of those avenues of some sort of love triangle and then just have Spider-Man face a badass Ditko villain like Electro, really. Um, I'm not, uh, I, I just really don't care to see a love triangle. And- uh, again, at least not with a, a new character. Every time I hear that they're thinking about the lizard as the main bad, I always think of Kevin, how he says he's a one-trick pony yeah. and he can't support a movie. So I, I agree. Well, here's the thing. He is a boring yeah. villain to me. I agree. But I found Dr. Octopus by himself to be a very, a fairly at least, boring villain. And I thought they did a really good job of him in Spider-Man too. So they might be able to pull it off. Uh, it just they need to focus more on the human aspect, which... You know, if something like Spider-Man 2 is any indication, they can. So yeah, it's possible. It just might not be the best idea. This is, but that's the problem. They've already done it. They've done it in two films, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the first yeah. movie had Norman Osborn, the father figure. Although you know, you knew when Willem Dafoe showed up, he was the bad guy. So there's no secret about that. But you already had the father figure gone wrong in the first one, and then you had Doctor Octopus as the friend, or you know, as the friendly scientist who goes bad. To do, even though it's completely in tune with the character and with the comic book continuity. Really, as far as the movies go, to go to the well with yet that again for a third time would be, I just think, I think most of the audience, while Spidey fans might like to see the lizard, most of the rest of the audience would say, say, didn't we see this before? Well, you yeah. know what can really spice this up, though, is Morbius. <laughs> yes, uh, but, we... but seriously, the fir- Morbius' first appearance, you know, that uh, issue 102, he teamed up with the lizard, so let's just throw Morbius in there and help this story out. <laughs> okay, JR, this part's for you. Say, seen it or not seen it. This is Rachel McAdams' uh, IMDb list. Mean Girls. Have you seen Mean <laughs> Girls? Uh, no, I live with two of them, and I certainly don't want to, I don't, I, I certainly oh, don't want gosh. them to start my entertainment. Uh, the Notebook. Uh, God, I had to buy a whole bunch of those for my kid. No, uh, before Wedding Crashers. Oh my God! That's the story of my wedding. Uh, we, we, God, we had these this drunk guy show really? up and nobody in a sports coat. Nobody knew who he was. Uh, no, I didn't have the either. Red eye. Oh my God! You're describing my last one and a half years in college. see that one. The family stone. <laughs> <laughs> You know, fill in that, that, on that, that. The family stones have not been in use for a very long time. <laughs> so I haven't seen that one either. <laughs> the time traveler's <laughs> wife. <laughs> if I had to do it all over again, <laughs> she'd be the time traveler's ex <laughs> And Sherlock Holmes. She's coming up in her Sherlock Holmes with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, my God. Uh, that was classic, JR. I don't, I don't have one. For oh, that one. <laughs> well, it's not out yet, so you've still got a few Holy months to come up with cow, that was... ask, ask me in the next couple of okay, podcasts. Okay, that was outstanding. Oh, oh, oh. That was outstanding. Oh, okay. My, my, only, my only problem is, is, is Elizabeth Banks and Rachel McAdams look really similar to me. Has anybody ever noticed that? Well, uh, Betty Brant. I always get that they're going to blonde her up in the movie. Yeah, yeah blonde and white for that matter. Yeah, she's like platinum blonde, which. Is really now the, the funny thing though is I think uh, Jr. is right with kind of an untapped resource there is uh, Elizabeth Banks is actually apparently kind of a fan and I remember before the last two movies she was saying how you know she likes that she's playing the character that was Spider-Man's first girlfriend and she was looking forward to getting to do that 
And what I've heard from her lately is that she doesn't plan to come back for a fourth one because it doesn't look like that's ever going to happen. Yeah, she, she's becoming a bigger name, and she doesn't want a bit part. I think is what I've read on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, she she she's done a lot of work. <laughs> she was a forty year old virgin. She was in. Uh, uh, good Zach and Mary. Let's, let me yeah. not go back to IMDb. JR is going to have another <laughs> few one liners for Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. Uh, moving on to another topic. Uh, I know we've got a few iPhone users. Kevin's an iPhone user. I am. Does anybody else have an iPhone? I'm a former mm-hmm. iPhone user. I converted the cabal of BlackBerry. <laughs> well, anyway, Marvel Comics has struck a deal with uh, Apple and iTunes and iPhones, etc., that you're going to be able to download comics onto your phone and read it, as if your computer screen wasn't small enough. You can uh, read it, and I, I was looking into it because I, I went to iTunes, and I looked for comics, and I didn't really see anything. So I think what they're doing, you have to download uh, an app for it, uh, Comixology, Iverse, and Panfly. And Panelfly. Panelfly. Oh, that's, yeah, it's very good. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can search through uh, Marvel's back issue. They range from $0.99 cents to $1.99 per download. And they don't have the most recent issues up there. They've got some older stuff like um, the X-23 miniseries, the Invincible Iron Man. Uh, That's some good stuff. Yeah, they got got uh, – looks like JMS's Amazing's up there, uh, the first few issues of Ditko. So let's go to the iPhone user. Kevin, would you buy this app and would you pay two bucks for a digital download? Well, uh, I actually already have the iVerse Comics app, which I got a free version of, which it, it's good. Um, I got it, and I, I haven't used it in a while, but I got it before the whole Marvel Comics thing, and I got to get a few free titles from uh, Shadowline and Ape. And I was able to basically just read some good first issues and kind of sample those comics, which I think is a good thing. Uh, the, the reader is actually pretty good, too, because you can uh, – have your iPhone standing regular vertical and see what the whole page looks like, and then you turn it horizontal and you can go uh, closer into the panels to read each panel. They even break up the panels sometimes to make it easier to read. Um, it, it's a good reader. Uh, I like being able to get some stuff for free to to sort of sample, and I think that's what Marvel needs to do because I'm, I'm probably not going to be paying money uh, to read in that particular format. I'd rather pay a little extra, or actually even a little less with MailOrderComics.com. I can pay $1.85 for a regular, uh, regularly priced comics issue. Um, but it is a really good thing for sampling. I can get a free issue of a first thing, sample that, and if I like it, I can you know, go buy the actual issue. So I think that's really what might help them. Well, I mean, I, I, think, I think we've had this debate before about reading it on your computer screen, and if you go even smaller to your phone, the screen's shrunk even more. I mean, I mean, I, I I do think it's the future for for comics, but uh, it's a new distribution. But do you think it's going to go over, or is it going to take a while? Well, I don't think it's it's really the the full, at least not soon, not in this format. It's not the full future of comics that people think. You know, it's going to completely change over. Uh, <laughs> I would not read a lot of comics this way. Yeah, uh, and like I say, it was just a good thing to sample for free. Um, and I think that is what I think it can work really well in support of the print industry. Uh, of course, I'm one of those that doesn't like to read comics on my computer. I actually, believe it or not, preferred it on the iPhone to the computer for some Why reason. Why is that? I just really don't like the computer. I don't know. I think it was easier to read. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times on the computer, things look kind of digitized, and the words don't always look completely right. They're either too small or too big. 
and they don't they, they just don't have a, a good clarity on on the words. It's tough to read, but on the iPhone, uh, the the proportions were pretty much what they should be, and you know not in the vertical format, but you can get the lay of the page that way. But when you turn it horizontal, you can just see a panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is about the size of a panel, so it's it's a lot easier to read for me than what was on the computer. And you don't have to do all that weird zooming yourself stuff that just was really inconvenient for me when I tried it on the computer a while ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think you're going to get to the point where everybody's reading their comics this way. I just think it's going to be a very good sampling tool. Okay. Zach, what do you say? Um, I wanted to jump in because this, honestly, I don't think this is going to take off really big on the iPhone, but if the Mac tablet that's been off-rumored ever since the iPhone came out and looks like to be gaining a lot of momentum. It's supposed to be about an eight and a half inch tablet uh, that's going to be a tablet PC where it's going to be completely touch screen. Um, I think that'll take off even bit better on the uh, the uh, on that format because it's going to be directly connected to iTunes. Because some rumors have been saying that's going to be uh, like the iPhone on steroids in terms of just size and everything like that. I think I can I can figure out why I kind of liked it on like, with the iPhone better. You're holding it in your hand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it's not something that you're 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 viewing and you're typing in. You know, you're having to click mm-hmm. on. It, it, you actually have it in your hand, and, and that kind of represents a little bit more of the comic feel. You know, one of the people things people say, "Well, I want something in my hand." Well, the iPhone kind of is a uh, is an alternative to that. I think this is a huge market that has a lot of potential I agree. because almost every. I mean, I mean, I I think they've sold what 10, 12 million iPhones. In the U.S. alone, that's not counting worldwide, uh, and that may be worldwide number. I'm not sure, but I mean, 10 12 to 12 million people have the iPhone. So you and, and everybody, and if you can get a free trial version of this particular app, mm-hmm. then that was that was probably more than there were spinner racks back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's got it, and and Marvel is smart to have it available. Po- for the people to put it in their hands, etc. But the bottom line, Kevin, would you buy $2 comics online? Probably not. Zach, would you? Uh, almost definitely not. Zach, would you? <clears throat> uh, I, you know, I would. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've still got my old iPhone. It's not like I, I haven't used it before. But mm-hmm. uh, I tell you, I mean, I mean the uh, the I, I mean, I would if if there if print media if if the Marvel print division. Decided to completely shut down because they're losing money every month on, a, on the comic books or whatever, right. which I don't. Uh, then, which is yeah. not going to happen anytime soon. Which is not going to happen anytime soon. But I mean, ten to fifteen years from now, we really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I mean, technology has been advancing so fast. I mean, if you had told me, it, you know, back in two thousand three that we would have a, a touchscreen iPod, much less a touchscreen phone that was completely touchscreen, I would have kind of laughed at you. So I mean, who knows? Right. Let's come down five. So, Stella, would you buy a $2 comic on your phone? No, I don't think so. Um, I really always talk about the sensual experience of actually holding the comic in your hand and actually flipping the pages, and I don't think I would ever go away from that. The only positive thing is that um, you're not accumulating stuff True. because comics are stuff, So, and at some point you have to deal with that. So that's But that's thing, also a negative. Because when you're not accumulating stuff, you're not necessarily going to get to keep your stuff you're not accumulating. Yeah, that's... What do you mean? Well, I mean, it's a lot easier for a computer to crash or an iPhone to get wiped than it is for your house to burn down and destroy your entire comics collection. Mm, That's true. 
So step, no, nobody would buy, well, Kevin, I mean, Zach would buy one. JR, I don't think you're going to buy one. What do you think? Am I guessing right? Yeah, I'm not going to buy one. I have <laughs> damn kids and their new fangled toys. <laughs> um, no, I, um, although my, uh, my experience in holding a book does not quite bring to mind the visceral images that uh, Stella's uh, experiences do, but, um, I, um, I I like books. I mean, I like books, and I like the pages, and it's the way I've read uh, comics uh, for 40 years. Uh, and, um, you know, after seeing the absolutely underwhelming Spider-Woman comics on, um, what was that stunt they were selling Spider-Woman comics for on 99 cents? Um, was that an comics. iPhone thing, too? Motion, Motion comics. comics. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I'm just really suspicious that this new technology will give us anything better than what we've already had. Whether it's good for the industry, you know, that's 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 something we'll see in 20 years, I guess. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I won't. I won't be buying them this way. Actually, you know what? Let me amend my statement. I wouldn't buy new comics this way. But if you give me some older, hard to find stuff, uh, you know, stuff that's not easily found and expensive in print. Like, you know, the old Vampire Tales issues with Morbius that I haven't been able to find for anything resembling cheap. You know, give me that for two bucks on an iPhone, I'm down. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the Marvel is doing a different thing. They're they're releasing Bob Gale original stories online, where you can read that on the computer, too. And That's because Bob Gale's not good enough to write the print. <laughs> now, now. Um, and, and even I'm not willing to do that, who buys every damn thing with a Spider-Man picture on it. Maybe it's because I'm 34, but I, I don't know. I don't... I, don't see myself doing that. I, I don't want to pay the sixty bucks for the yearly subscription to five thousand comics when I've got that right behind me in the office. I mean, would there anybody buy the Bob Gale books online? No, it's way too expensive yeah. for a writer who has not done much on the title and what he has done we've mostly been, you know, more than a little underwhelmed with. Mm-hmm. Um and I've said before when Marvel publishes a comic that Brad Douglas won't buy, they need to think about whether they should be publishing that comic to begin with. And if they're doing a Spider-Man comic that Brad Douglas won't buy, then that's that's a huge statement. Well, I mean, I'm not the demographic. I think the demographic is is teenagers that love technology and don't like to read books. I don't like to read books. <laughs> well, but those same teenagers, yeah. if they don't like to read, they're not shelling out that much money to read. I don't care if yeah. they're a computer. That's true. Yeah, it's 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 not going to matter what format it's delivered in. If they don't like that experience, it doesn't matter. So, I mean, if it's if they can get some, if they can put some classic issues on there that are for, that are free, you might be able to reel them in that way. All right, we're moving on to our topic with Jr. about this month in Spider history. We're going back to November of 1982. We have one, two, three, four, five, five Spider-Man appearances this month. We'll start off with Amazing Spider-Man number 234 called Now Shall Willow the Wisp Have His Revenge, written by Roger Stern, art by John Romita Jr. J.R., what do you think of this one? Well, uh, actually, I went back and read it, and, uh, you know, it's an okay issue. I mean, it was a, um, you know, reading it in the context, though, of the uh, of the early 80s after we'd been through the Denny O'Neill era, uh, it was clear that, you know, Roger Stern, um, had a whole bunch of subplots in motion, and this was one of them where the the evil brand corporation and the evil Roxxon corporation were were you know doing all kinds of mischief. Uh, and it's interesting because not just not in this particular issue, but Will the Wisp uh, was one of those villains that Roger Stern 
gave a name to. I know this seems kind of funny looking back on it, but it wasn't until Roger Stern started writing these characters that we had names for, like, the Vulture, the Kingpin, Will the Wisp was one of them. Uh, it was just kind of a funny, I, I thought, a funny byproduct of Stern's area that he actually started giving names to these characters, and Wisp was one of them. The story itself is is, is okay. It's not that remarkable. Uh, but a couple of things that are interesting looking at it from 20 years uh, aspect of all these years later is when the Wisp breaks into the um, the brand corporation uh, uh, place, uh, the uh, the uh, security people issue an amber alert, <laughs> which has an entirely different <laughs> connotation now. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah, it did. I was going back through it, and um, also it has this issue has a 16-page bonus insert called the Marvel Comics Guide to Collecting Comics. Mm-hmm. It's relatively unremarkable because for us old comic fans because we know about collecting comics anyway. But they list recent prices of old issues and oh, what wow. they've gone for. They <laughs> and we were talking about Amazing Fantasy 15. Well, it's listed at a mere eleven hundred dollars <laughs> in this in this one. Nineteen eighty two book, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, th- this is, I mean, this is an interesting curio for Spider-Man fans again because it's stern. It's the early days of John Romita Jr. on the title. Um, I mean, so it's, so it's, it's a good story. It's, it's worth having as part of your collection. I don't think I've read it since 82, but in the guide to collecting comics, did they show you how to put, put it in bags and boards in a box? Is that what they did? Or am I, th- oh am I thinking of something else? I actually have it. Oh, you got it for my, Okay. My formerly naked. Ah, uh, and the smell of 80. See, this is the thing you don't get with the new comics. You don't get the smell of old wood pulp, particularly <laughs> aging wood pulp. So, ah, oh, wow. What a, a chair <laughs> just took a drag off 234. <laughs> oh, this is. Oh, man. I, I tell you, doing, doing a line of Coke would not give me as much of a high as this. Um, do they talk about bags and boards Maybe here? Oh, killing. yes, we do. Bag them and board them. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yes, show example, a Kazar comic, an unbagged comic is fading, has rolled spines and creases. A bagged comic has none of these defects. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, before and after picture. You know, Roger was pretty limp and lazy before he had Cialis, and now look at him. <laughs> wow, wow. So bag him and board him and either rags. I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah, this is, um, if you can pick this up cheap as a Spidey fan, you know, there's a good scene with J. Jonah Jameson where Spidey wrecks one of his classic Havana cigars, you know, and Amy Powell's making moves on him, you know, trying to make him uh, Lance Bannon jealous. And, Mary Jane's going to walk yeah, in I mean, a few there's months. A, there's a lot to love for an old Spidey fan. Uh, again, we uh, want to thank SamRuby.com for giving us this uh, issue perspective. And it looks like uh, the cover price was $0.60 cents back in the day. The value for the guy is about 10 bucks. You can get it fairly relatively. Not 75 grand. But uh, <laughs> also, the- now, if you shop, if you shop around, uh, unfortunately, with the way comic stores have been dying out. But if you shop around, you can probably get it for a lot less. Now. Also, that came out with Spidey this month was Marvel Team Up number one twenty three, which uh, teamed Spider Man up with Daredevil, written by J M D Mateus, and the artist was Carrie Gamble. Rivers of Blood was the name of this book. Jared, you picked this one up. Uh, I picked it up uh, in those days when I was by when I was going back and filling the holes in my collection. Um, it's it's ironic in this. The, I mean, again, it's it's one of these. It's a typical Marvel team up story. You know, yep. it's one and done in seventeen or twenty two pages. Uh, this was before uh, this. It was written by Dematteis, 
Um, but it was uh, it was written before Spider-Man and Daredevil knew each other's secret identities. Right. So it's it's one of those where it, it it does have you know it has the typical oh if Spider-Man only knew he 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 you know <laughs> that this blind man is Daredevil. But it is kind of funny. Spider-Man offers him some help, Matt some help, and he says no thanks, Spider-Man. I'll just rattle my tin cup, tin cup, and some kind of poor soul will come and help point me to the the way to the elevator. So that eh, was kind of clever. But it, but no, it's. Uh, um, I don't remember. You should be able. To I don't remember the villain movie. Solar. What was Solar? Solar looks like a ripoff <laughs> of. Well, he looks like a ripoff of Will of the Wisp. He looks like a ripoff of Fire Lord. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he looks like a. Um, I mean, he he does. He looks like any. You know, he looks like a ripoff of the Human Torch. Yeah. Uh, he looks like a, a ripoff of any kind of villain that throws fire and flies. Right. So um, you know, it's. Uh, uh, certainly, he's not. He won't be the subject of any uh, of any multi-million dollar picture in yeah. the future. So. Also, came up uh, this uh, month is Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number seventy-two. Uh, beautiful looking cover with the Spider-Man Doc Ock underwater and the arm crashing the logo at the very top. The co- the title is called Waiting for Doc Ock, written by Bill Matlow, artist Ed Hannigan. Uh, this issue has the first appearance of Ali Osnick, who would later go on to become the Spectacular Spider Kid. And Jr., you have fond memories of this run where he goes up against Doc Ock. I remember. Absolutely. Um, this actually is the first issue. If you're looking at the um, the run where Spider-Man uh, fights Doc Ock and fall, and the Black Cat comes back, and they really fall in love. And I mean, this this is the story that starts it all off. Issue number seventy-two. Yep. It's not really a lot about Spider-Man. It really is a lot about Ollie. And if you've been a kid, I mean, again, if you've been a kid who was not the most popular kid. Uh, you absolutely relate to Ollie. Um, his favorite hero is, his hero is Dr. Octopus. I mean, cause he's a short, pudgy kid that nobody likes. Uh, and so he feels a little bit more sympathetic with the villains, you know, who kind of seem to always come out on the wrong end of, uh, you know, always kind of seem to come out on the wrong end of society. Uh, and so he has a great deal of sympathy for him. And, um, it just, uh, I mean, again, you know, Spidey and he have a little altercation, and uh, I think Spidey saves his life once because mm-hmm. uh, Ollie falls in a big fishbowl, and of course you can't swim when you got about eight tentacles. <laughs> but uh, the um, so this was, um, you know, this was a, a neat little issue, and and I lo- I loved Mantlo's run. Yeah. I, I loved Mantlo's run. The only problem with this issue is that the very last page is the tip off of the beginning of the end of the Deb Whitman saga, and Deb is. Uh, Telling her psychiatrist that oh she's going crazy because she thinks Peter Parker is Spider Man, and you know if you've if anybody who's read my stuff uh, I really complain about this this is absolutely ridiculous because in later issues the psychiatrist goes to Peter and says oh by the way Deb Whitten says you're Spider Man <laughs> it's like it's like okay okay what psychiatrist is going to keep his license after he pulls a bonehead stunt like yeah. that but anyway. As if the three books weren't enough, Spider-Man had two more appearances uh, this month in 82. Uh, the Incredible Hulk, number 277, uh, called What Friends Are For, again written by Bale Mantlow and artist Sal Buscema. Uh, guest starring in this Hulk book was a ton of Marvel heroes. We had the Hulk, the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, the Defenders, the X-Men, Daredevil, Alpha Flight, Soviet Super Soldiers, Doc Sampson, General Thunderbolt Ross, Betty Ross, and the villains or the UFOs, and Spider-Man makes a cameo appearance. Jared, did you read this one? I do not have either one of these, and I've never you read haven't. them. You uh, haven't? Basically, this is where the Hulk is getting his brain back, and he eventually gets a presidential pardon for all of his bad deeds by then-President Reagan. So, this is a pretty good run, I thought. 
Also, uh, Dazzler, and JR has a complete run of Dazzler. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Issue number 21 called Allison Blair. This is your life written by Danny Fingeroth and Frank Springer. No relation to Jerry. Spider-Man makes a three-page appearance, and I don't own this book. Does anybody own this book? <laughs> That'd be a no. So that was the the month in spider history. What would you give this month as a grade, JR? Uh, let's see. I liked, uh, I think I liked the, um, Ollie, Ollie issue. I probably would have given that a B, a high B somewhere. Uh, a lower B probably for the uh, Stern issue. Uh, Marvel team ups were uniformly almost always D or C, Mm -hmm. uh, because they were either very bad or just very ordinary. Uh, but I'm kind of, I mean, you know, I've, I've been yammering long enough. What about these young people who find the, that we're with who find these issues in the back? Anybody, anybody have any of these books? Now, to give you a little context, this was the year my older brother was born. <laughs> Your older uh, brother, yeah. Yeah, I've not read any of this stuff. Zach, have you yeah. picked up any of these? Dude, I was like negative four. <laughs> so, no, Stella I have not picked didn't up any pick of these. Stella didn't pick up these either, I bet. No, no. sir. All right. Uh, we'll move on. No, no dude, put this in context. My mother was still in high school <laughs> when these issues came out. I was in the second okay. grade. <laughs> Wow, I would have been old enough to have dated your mother. Just <laughs> so happens, I was I was in my um, I was entering my sophomore year in college, so uh, I was routinely going to the uh, the book broker in Evansville, Indiana, and picking up these little jewels. Because so, when you got the books, you were broke. Uh, let's <laughs> yep. go on to That's another true. topic, uh, Kevin. We have some pimpage, sir. Uh, Crawl Space number seven, your web comic, is up online. So let's talk a bit about that. It's been months well, in the making. Uh, been hmm. months in the making. <laughs> yes, unfortunately it has. A uh, long delay on this one. But uh, this is the second to last part of Spider-Man Black, part five. Um, we've revealed the Black Spider's origin already, so we've got that out of the way. This one's a lot more about what his motivations and his intentions are. Um, so in this issue, you've got... The Black Spider basically doing a lot of monologuing <laughs> to an unconscious Peter Parker, which hopefully is more entertaining than it sounds. Uh, you've also got some good action with uh, Harry Osborn of the Goblin King versus Gabriel Stacy of the Grey Goblin. That's the beginning of a long rivalry there. Um, we check in with MJ, what she's doing about all this. We see Carly and Flash in this issue. Uh, it's a fairly, I think fast-paced issue, lots packed into it, and it's the last one before this first full arc ends. Cool. Um, I'll jump in on this one. Okay. Uh, I absolutely love this issue. Um, this was by far the best. I've read all the uh, amazing issues this month, or, or half the amazing issues this month, and I found this to be better than all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh as, I, as as Kevin put it, I gave it a 5 out of 5, which is the same grade I gave uh, Clone Saga number 1. Uh, that's high praise. <laughs> yeah, that's from, high praise. From Zach, that means a hell of a lot. <laughs> um, honestly, the, the, this issue had a lot of great pl- subplots that are continuing. Um, I loved the fact that that, uh, that uh, uh, Gabriel is getting his butt kicked by uh, by Harry. And then uh, I, I really, I really liked the uh, in, the monologue that was given throughout throughout the issue, but for a big chunk of the issue. Um, and uh, the, the I'm still I'm still trying to figure out who the man, the mysterious man is. 
that's kind of been one of the mystery. Well, there's been a lot of mysterious men, I, I think, in Kevin's run, but uh, it's the, mostly the, been this story, I think. Uh, and and fun fact, when I originally conceived this story years and years ago, the name of it was Face of the Enemy because there were so many mystery characters in this one. So I promise that's not going to be a hallmark of the entire run. And the last two will be revealed next issue. Cool. Okay. So if you guys so, want to check it out, it's on the uh, Spider-Man colon crawlspace uh, message board section of our regular message board. And he has all the issues up there, and he also has a uh, discussion thread. So once you read it, give you two cents. Kevin loves your two cents. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I guess I do. Comment, make and comment. look, we've, we're up to uh, 70 replies, so there's a lot of debate and discussion going on. So check it out. All right, we're going to wrap up this first hour plus with recommendations. And let's hit Stella up. What do you recommend this month, girl? Okay, I've got four quick recommendations yep. for my literature recommendation. I've got The Aeneid by Virgil. Um, I've actually translated book seven, but I had not until this time read it in its entirety. And it's basically about um, Aeneas um, who flees Troy uh, after the Trojan War and his journey to founding Rome or setting up the foundation for his descendants. And it's very good. I read it in English so that it is possible. Um, video game, Uncharted 2 is the best video game I have ever played in my life, wow. which I've played a decent amount, not as much as Enigma 2099, but <laughs> A+. Plus. It is fantastic. You pretty much have two games in one because you have your single player, and then your multiplayer is so, so um, not expansive, but it's it's very large. What do you do with the multiplayer? Um, so is that online, or can you have two controllers, or what do you do? Um, I don't know if there's local multiplayer, but it's mostly online, mm -hmm. and so there are co-ops where you can take on a mission with just two other people, or there's multiplayer where you're playing with up to nine other people, and you're doing things like um, capture the flag, which it's really, it's called plunder because you're taking a treasure, mm -hmm. or death matches. It's like a lot of things. There's, I think, like seven different types, nice. so it's very... Very nice. Um, and then comics, two comics, Batgirl, you know, I'm going to admit I did not know that I would like it this much, but it is a really great comic. And the other one is Spider-Woman. Um, Jessica's in a really dark place right now, and I love it. It's Both of those are very fantastic, and I recommend people picking them up. Cool. Kev, what's your two cents? What do you got this month? Um, before recommendations, Stella mentioned Enigma 2099. That reminded me I forgot to mention that Crawl Space number 7 has two great covers by Enigma 2099 and B-Dog. I don't want to leave those guys out. They did really good for me. Um, my recommendations, I have one recommendation and one retraction. Oh, a retraction? <laughs> my, um, a retraction. My, well, I'll go with that <laughs> first. I, I think it was either last month. Uh, I think it was last month I recommended stargate universe new tv show the third stargate series because the pilot which was all i had seen at the time uh was was quite strong but i've kept watching it it's been about six episodes now i think and dear god it is the most tiresome thing <laughs> i've ever seen every single week bar none every week they are all about to die <laughs> every week and you know they're not going to die. No main characters have been killed off yet except the pilot, which, you know, you're not a main character if you don't survive the pilot. And even in six or so episodes, only about three red shirts have even died. I mean, if you're going to threaten everybody with death every week, you should be going through red shirts like Brad goes through Mountain Dew. I mean, this, uh, 
It's just nice. disingenuous. Every week, the I think four out of the six, the ship has been about to explode, and the other two times there were evil alien bugs. So it's just it's really tiresome, and I do not recommend it. And I want to apologize if anybody took my recommendation for that. <laughs> um, my actual recommendation is for the new comic book Sword by Kieran Gillen and Stephen Sanders. Um, Kieran Gillen's a great writer. He's the writer of Phonogram, which is one of my favorite comics of all time. He has a real knack for uh, wit and dialogue and high-concept action. Uh, this I've only read issue one. That's all that's out yet. It came out this past week. It was one of the most packed single issues of a comic book I have ever read. I mean, it had everything in it. You had high-octane action. You had humor, a little bit of romance. You had politics. You had just everything in this issue and the great thing the greatest thing is this relationship between agent brand and beast which is the oddest relationship uh joss whedon set it up at the end of his astonishing x-men run and this is a great continuation of that kieran gillen writes the funniest beast i have ever read uh we've also got lockheed the tiny dragon that was always kind of kitty pride's pet is in this series now having lost Kitty Pride and he's pissed about it. Mm -hmm. And if you've never seen a tiny dragon get drunk, you really need to read this issue. Oh, they're doing that um, again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this issue also had a backup story uh, with art by Jamie McKelvey, who does Phonogram, and that was just gorgeous. I love Jamie McKelvey's art. Um, but also, if you see the three ninety nine price tag on issue number one, that is just because there's an extra story in it. You've got extra content. All the rest of the issues are two ninety nine. So if you're one of those that shuns three ninety nine, don't stay away from the series. Please buy it. It is probably the best single issue I've read this year. Okay, Zach, recommendation, sir. Well, of course, I'm going to recommend the issue we didn't review this month, which was uh, Clone Saga number two. I uh, gave it a 4.5 out of 5, so uh, uh, 95, I guess, would be a, a number scale. I, I love, This is a great series. <laughs> You're drooling. You're drooling. You're all right? I, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I love this. Uh, the artwork in this book. I like the writing. This got some of the snappiest dialogue and some of the best quips <laughs> of the month, especially when uh, the phrase, Help me, Spider. You're my only hope, comes out. That That's, that's gold. <laughs> comedy gold um love that book i'm also going to recommend two tv shows okay um in cis uh i've been kind of slowly catching up on that show and, and look i i liked jag when it was out and ncis is a spinoff of that but i actually like this 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 more than csi i think it's a better show uh entertaining characters well-written storylines intriguing storylines i've i've and more i you know, I always kind of looked at Mark Harmon as, as the, he used to be one of the big pretty boys, and he's a he's he's probably my favorite character because he's absolutely hilarious <laughs> without with being overly serious almost. If you um, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. And and my other TV show is White Collar. Mm. Uh, I I really liked White Collar. Uh, I think it's it's pretty snappy and it's and it's and it's writing. Oh, and one more. I got two. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Mentalist is another one. I liked and uh, that I've been that I started watching regularly and I, Smallville has probably been had its strongest season so far in a long time. So check out Smallville. If you liked Mark, if you like Mark Harmon on NCIS, I recommend an '80s movie that you'll you'll enjoy called Summer School, Summer, where he okay. goes after Kirstie Alley. He's a summer school teacher. He's a coach that has to teach like history or something. Very funny movie, written by and directed by Carl Reiner from Dick Van Dyke era. 
So, okay. funny movie, summer school. Uh, JR, you remember Dick Van Dyke, right? <laughs> Dick Van Dyke, you want me to hum the yeah. theme to the Dick oh, Van Dyke free, show even? Free. Or, or sing, a, or sing a few bars of Bye Bye Birdie even? <laughs> uh, what do you recommend? Hey. Bye, uh, since we're talking about old shows and old movies, and I'm an old man, um, I just have to see a uh, a run of a very old movie, at least for for the current generation, it's very old. Rear Window, mm. starring Jimmy Stewart and uh, Grace Kelly. Um, the story's a little bit dated now, obviously, because uh, it depends on, it takes place in New York, and nobody had air conditioning in their apartments back then, and everybody's windows were open, and you can see what all your neighbors were doing. But uh, anyway, the whole the whole concept is that Raymond Burr, murders his wife during the night. And, you know, nobody hears anything, but Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly suspect, with nothing really to go on but their gut feeling, that he has killed his wife. And the whole story is about them collecting evidence and putting this puzzle together. It's it's just, you know, for those of you who like mysteries, I mean, there's no, there's no gore, there's no violence, uh, there's no sex. Uh, although, I, I was really, I'm really amazed at, some, you know, because I'd heard a lot about Grace Kelly, hadn't seen a whole lot about her. I knew her as the aging, overweight Princess of Monaco who went off the cliff, you know, and had bad, you know, who had kid, troublesome kids. Uh, but she really is a presence in this She's film. Beautiful I mean, it's just amazing. I'm She's sorry? beautiful in that movie. I, I remember. Oh, and it just she just absolutely radiates sexuality <laughs> while staying fully clothed. I mean, it's it's a tremendous tremendous power. Jimmy Stewart is is likable as always. Uh, plays a, a very likable, very intelligent hero, and uh, it's uh, I mean, it's just a very solid couple of hours of entertainment. It's it's a classic movie, and it's one. If I had to rattle off like about a, a dozen movies that I watch when they're on, no matter no matter how many times I've seen them. Uh, rear window is, is is definitely one of them. Cool. Anything else, Jared? No. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. They remade it recently with Shia LaBeouf. They, you know? they also remade it with Christopher Reeve when he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, that one I didn't, I didn't see. That one either. But I figure I figure on something like that. Why even try? You can't improve on. <laughs> I recently saw that yeah. movie within the last three years, and I, just, I I dug it. So, uh, who haven't we got? Have we got everybody except me? Yeah. Oh, except me. Okay, let's see. One, two, three, four. Four comics, one TV show, a video game, and a movie. Holy shit! And a and a uh, thing for when you go uh, traveling. It's it shrinks your clothes down. Uh, the TV show. <laughs> the TV show that I'm digging. Uh, they're on episode two, and I was a big fan of it in the '80s. V on ABC. Really solid pilot. But the second issue was a second episode was solid. Also, um, they're kind of taking it in a different direction than the miniseries and the, and the TV show. But I'm still digging it. So check that out. There, I don't understand what they're doing with the show. They're going to air four episodes and then in March come back with the rest of them. But well, it's because of the Olympics. I, but uh, that, that's just odd that's the that they're doing that. So and, check out V. And, and, be, and because the script sucked and they needed to be reworked. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, yeah. they did. They came. They came out with an announcement that basically, I mean, reading between the lines, it said they needed to. I mean, the Olympics and all that's part of it, but basically, it said they needed to stop production and rework the scripts. Well, I'm glad they are. So, they got time to do it now. Well, I mean, I mean, honestly, I watched the marathon on Sci-Fi, mm-hmm. and I really wanted my time back. Oh, are you talking about the miniseries? Yes, uh, I didn't. Must I didn't be a generational thing because that was. I, I remember watching that on VHS, rewinding it when I was a kid and watching it so many times. 
You're, you're not talking about the actual TV show. No, the TV show sucked. Uh, I'll give you that. The TV show was, was but bad, the, yeah. the two miniseries I thought were really solid. The first one being the most solid. Uh, the three comics, uh, I've been catching up on my back issue, Ben. I read the Fantastic Five miniseries, MC2 Universe, written by Tom DeFalco and solid artwork by Ron Lim. So check that out. I know, Sp- Spidey Dude, you're a big MC2 fan. Did you read that one by chance? Uh, you know, I'm a big Spider-Girl fan. And I like the I like the concept of the characters. I just never got back. And got it's pretty the, good. Uh, it's in it's in a uh, trade, I think, or a digest, something like that. It is in a digest. I think that they put that. They put the the buzz and the wild and wild thing series in there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing as how they're no longer going to be printing any more uh, Spider Girl digest series, which is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, you know, I read that post on our board. I don't think the guy has all the facts. So anyway, Fantastic Five. That's a comic I recommend. Also. Uh, a book that I think JR will enjoy if you want to get in the trade uh, to read the whole storyline. But Invincible, Invincible Iron Man. Again, just the tension between Norman Osborn and Tony Stark in this latest issue is just incredible. I love how pissed Norman gets. JR, really, uh, this, if there's one Norman spinoff, Invincible Iron Man is the one to pick up. Yeah, I think you'll really dig it. I will keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I'm... Repeating what uh, Zach said, Clone Saga number two was solid. Also, Web of Spider-Man number one was solid. I know we didn't talk about the show. I totally forgot about Web of Spider-Man number one. <laughs> it, it has more Kane, more Demetrius, and it has Spider-Girl in it, and it's three bucks or three ninety-nine. And I, uh, with the discount, I think you're getting your money's worth with that many stories in it. So pick that one up. And I'm kind of similar to Stella, only a generation back. I'm recommending Uncharted one. <laughs> In a gender, but anyway. So. <laughs> I, I, on, on Stella's recommendation, because I remember months ago she recommended Uncharted 1, and it's just an incredible game. I really enjoy it. It's, it's Indiana Jones meets Tomb Raider meets Kick-Assery. So. <laughs> and the good thing about Uncharted 1 is since Uncharted 2 came out, they've lowered the price. So you can pick it up on Amazon for like 26 bucks or something like that. So well recommended. And Quarantine, the movie Quarantine. My wife and I watched this on Halloween night. It's basically a um, recent movie that came out. It's basically the story of a reporter and a photographer that are covering a boring story about following the fire department and what they do on an average night. And little do they know that zombies are in a in a uh, in a housing unit, etc. It's it's like what if my job became following zombies and escaping a building. So if you want a creepy, fun uh, horror movie, check out Quarantine. It's it's playing on Stars or HBO or one of those right now. It's also on DVD. And it stars Jennifer Carpenter from my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. Jennifer Carpenter? What, what was she in? She plays uh, Dexter's sister on the Dexter oh, TV is that show. Her? Um, okay. Yeah, she also uh, actually dates the guy that plays Dexter, which is kind of creepy. Ooh, Ooh what? <laughs> <laughs> And that wraps up our first show for November. We have another hour coming up this month where we answer your message board questions. So give me just another few days to edit that one and put it up online. But before we go, I want to thank MailOrderComics.com for supporting this show month in and month out. Another spider spotlight for November from Mail Order is The Siege, number one. The cover price is $3.99. Mail Order has it for $0.99, which is a shocking 75% off the cover price. Really, you can't beat that one. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Gang, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com.